0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: Hi, friends. You're listening to the Wheel Suckers Podcast. I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands. I'm usually joined by my stoker, Jenny, the director of the London Bike Kitchen, a do it together bike workshop that teaches you how to fix your own bike with drop in sessions, classes, and their women and gender variant, Wagnight. I have a very special live panel for you. Adele Mitchell approached me after she'd written an article for Evans about older women that cycle and said, I think this would make a good panel. And I can't lie, she wasn't wrong. It was a really, really fantastic panel. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Please listen. I'd also like to add from our previous panel, I did pass a microphone around for questions in the crowd. We just didn't get it right for the first question. Thanks again to everybody that joined us. Thanks again to our amazing panel.
2: Thanks again to Adele. Bye. Hello and welcome to Letting Yourselves Go, which is um, our tribute to all the women who ride. My name is Adele Mitchell. I'm a cycling journalist and blogger. I have been uh, previously a beauty editor. I started cycling or returned to cycling when I was 40, when I entered the London Triathlon. And I've since then enjoyed mountain biking kind of three times a week ever since. Um, I love cycling. And one of the things I find when I'm writing about cycling, is it, it's often older women who have the best stories to tell, although they are not often shared. And I just wanted to try and start to think about why that is, and also to share the great the great stories that women have. Um, I'm joined tonight by my esteemed panel. Um, at the end, we have Alex, who have flown in from Edinburgh <laughs> today. Um, Alex is founder and a designer for Findra um, Outdoor Clothing. Um, they make beautiful merino garments, and uh, it's. it's Started as a mountain bike range, now moved in, into outdoor clothing, um, and it really is amazing. Belinda, who the Guardian has described as the woman made of iron filings, <laughs> um, Belinda has founded um, Bella Vullo, which is a women's cycling community in South London, and she also works in Richmond cycling, so she is our bike store expert. And Julie is um, Cycling UK's volunteer communications and engagement officer, woman with a job title. And she's going to talk tonight about how we can get more women cycling and barriers to cycling, um, as well as the history of the CTC, which she was filling me in on earlier, and, and it's actually really fascinating. So why are we doing this? We're celebrating all the women who ride. Um, I think a lot of us in this room have been involved in raising women's profile in cycling, and I think it's been fairly successful, but I think it tends to be younger women who are all the most visible. Now, I don't think any of us have a burning desire to be on the cover of cycling weekly, but I think, I think as a community, it's just great to get together and share our stories. Um, the combined age of our panel, we've worked out collectively we are approximately 200 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we're still here. And, and, and letting ourselves go really came about, actually as a tribute to my hairdresser, when I started to grow my hair colour out he kind of very kindly patted me on the shoulder and said letting ourselves go are we, dear and and we had quite a giggle about it um, because of course he knew that I enjoyed mountain biking and letting yourself go has two meanings one is is that you've given up with your appearance but it can also mean losing your inhibitions going for it and and quite often at the top of a drop off letting yourself go is is what you have to do Um, and it's a good thing and I did have a couple of people say to me, I don't want to be called older." Yes. <laughs> it was kind of the best term I could come up with. There are a lots of really, really corny, horrible marketing terms for older women that I really didn't want to use. It kind of did the job. If people don't identify as older, that's fine. Everybody's different. But it just seemed to serve the purpose. And actually... We've had some amazing responses to the talk. Um, I'm going to read a few of them out because it kind of, I, I kind of thought, is anyone going to want to talk about this? Is everyone going to be insulted? Will anyone come? Amazing responses from all over the country. Um, so, one of the women that first inspired me to, to, to look into this is a lady I know called Diana, who's 64. Um, she's a grandmother and an art teacher. She represented Team GB at the UCI Gran Fondo World Championships last year. She came fifth um, in her category and matched the time achieved by her 25-year-old friend in a separate age category. (laughs) Go, Diana. (laughs) Gets better. Then we have Ross. (laughs) Ross is a, is a mountain bike legend where we live. Um, she's sixty-three. She competes in enduro and downhill mountain bike events. She returned to cycling having had breast cancer age fifty-six and has had both knees replaced. Um, she said to me, "Age, sorry, where is she hiding?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I did not see you hiding there. She, uh, um, you, can tell, you did say all this to me. <laughs> she said, age hasn't held me back. What else would I spend my pension on if not bike parts and trips away? <laughs> um, I interviewed Rydie O'Donnell, who is the um, former Our World Record holder. Um, which uh, uh, a record which she achieved age 41. Um, she's also a doctor, Australian doctor. And she said to me, I wish we were braver in our 40s and worrying less about what if. Our children need to learn that women's bodies are strong, capable, resilient and fast. That being a mother or a wife doesn't mean your physical and mental health and well-being needs to be discounted. I had another comment from a lady called Vicky. I started cycling at 47. It's the best thing I've ever done. A lot of my friends are struggling with weight gain and children leaving home, so they're feeling a bit lost, but I am honestly having the best time of my life. Um, Hannah Dawson from Single Track, um, who's one of the journalists on Single Track, said to me, There must be loads of women who get to the stage where they have financial stability and some free time who would benefit from being encouraged to try an activity. Um, to generate adrenaline instead of just turning the pelvic floor. <laughs> um, then we have Beverly. We've all agreed that we, we want a night out with Beverly. Beverly says, <laughs> Beverly's 49. I only started biking after kids. It started out as a way of getting out of the house and away from the family as I suffered from postnatal depression and was rather reliant on wine and fats. <laughs> As soon as I felt the buzz from riding a trail, it became my new addiction. Now I constantly push my boundaries. I run three times a week, gym three times a week, all to help my riding. Basically, downhill has saved me and has completely shaped my life as it is now. And finally, just my favourite comment. My mum still rides Steve Pete's Steel City Downhill Race, and she's 74. So now I'm going to talk to our my inspiring ladies up here, who have all who have all worked in cycling and and have some amazing stories to tell. So I'm going to start with Alex. Alex, will you please tell us about your wonderful um, Aggro range? Yes. Um, so, Bindra came about because of my own love of cycling. I have always loved the outdoors, and probably about eight, nine, eight or nine years ago now, I um, got very into mountain biking, really loved it, went out with a group of women and really, really enjoyed the sport and got really very, very hooked on it. And went off to my local trail centre to buy some kit to wear and kind of stood in the bike shop looking around thinking, this isn't really very good, actually. Um, and my background is design. I've worked as a, a designer in the fashion and textile industry for over 20 years. So I quite quickly um, assessed the situation and realised that the women's range was very much an afterthought for men. And it was a, a basically a case of shrink it and pink it, which is a phrase that's been used a lot. Um, and I kind of thought, you know, this isn't really good enough. And the women that I went to mountain biking with really inspired me. Um, a great bunch of women who were probably all 35 40 plus. And mountain biking is not the really faint hearted It's a fantastic sport that really challenges you. Um, you have to take quite brave decisions if you decide to kind of really throw yourself into it. And I thought that the clothing was kind of letting down not just in in kind of style or shape or fit, but also just these amazing women that deserved better. So again, I kinda stood there and I thought, Maybe I could do something, maybe I could do this a bit better. And that was really the start of me thinking about Vindra. And um, from that point on I spent a lot of time doing market research and asking women what they really wanted rather than kind of giving them what I thought they wanted. Um so I spent about eighteen months do market research, talking to women, observing what women wore. And I kind of decided that I wanted to come up with a product that was fit for purpose, but also really well designed, and also a product that could take a woman from riding her bike to going and picking up her kids from school, to going to the cafe, to going to the pub, um, and that fitted in with her lifestyle because cycling was part of that lifestyle. It wasn't a separate separate thing and so really that's how Bindra came about and we've been I've been going now for three and a half years and it's grown um quite considerably in that time but you work with the various and the in the then yeah, so I, I met Lee Craigie a few years ago and they really liked what we done they love our kit and they loved it wants to support and encourage women to get out on their bikes there should be no for me there should be absolutely no barriers to any woman getting on a bike there should be nothing that stops a woman wanting to cycle she shouldn't feel inhibited in any way um or inferior she can you know ride her bike to the shops or she can ride her bike up a hill or she can ride her bike around the world and there should be nothing that stops any woman wanting to do any of that and and so we shared a lot of the same kind of ethos and values and that's why we partnered up and, and we um, sort of sponsored them and provide them with kit. Do you think being older and having experience, having worked in, in the fashion industry, has been helpful with, with what you're doing now? Um yeah, it's definitely definitely helped me from understanding the process of, of, of design and clothing, but um even with all of that experience starting my own business in the clothing industry has been very challenging and there's been lots of challenges along the way and quite often I think anyone that comes into it that, that hasn't been in the industry before must find it even tougher because I've had twenty plus years experience but um, it is hard work and you've just got to push through that I guess. Have you met many other women who are designing women ranking bike? Yeah. Yep. In the last few years, there seemed to be a real explosion of, of female entrepreneurs, women who, um, basically, to me, it felt like at the same time, lots of women thought there's an opportunity here, there's a market, there's a gap in the market for well-designed women-specific kits. And so at the time that I launched, there was a number of um, females who were launching their own cycling kits, brands, so yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm going to move on to Belinda. Um, Belinda, can you tell us about your cycling history um, and how you've come to be where you are now? Uh, well, I started off um, living in London and realising how rubbish the public transport system was, and that's what got me on a bike. I had cycled as a student and as a child, and then started off on my mother's patch pedal brake, no geared bike, cycling around South East London. And then thought, I'm going to have to buy a bike, a proper bike. And that's how I got into it and um, really just kept cycling day after day, which is very, very good for fitness. And then I progressed to riding. I didn't join a club. It never occurred to me to join a club. I saw basically sort of CTC people, mainly bearded men, wearing sandals, and, you know, that was a sort of image thing, which in some respects has changed, thankfully. Um, and then I started going on lot of trips, and uh, there was a fantastic company that I went with that was unfortunately gone out of business, and we did crack off uh, to Budapest over the Tatcha Mountains and camped. And I did a few trips like that, and then... Um, so that was my summer holiday, camping and cycling. And I went on those holidays on my own, and uh, eventually met my husband in the Pyrenees, or the man who was to become my husband. And since then we've done a lot of Alpine climbs, Pyrenean climbs, Dolomites. I mean, I've been very lucky. I realize I've been very, very lucky talking to
3: people. You know,
2: I've just done so much stuff. I don't have children, so I know a lot of people, a lot of women in particular, have family commitments and can't do it. Although I've now met shed loads of women who have got older children, uh, or have carved out some time and are now doing it. Quite a few of them who are sitting here tonight, so it's great to see them. Um, I just used to basically, cycling was my hobby. I worked in the city. I lost my job in the city in 2008 and decided I didn't really fancy getting back. So I went to my local bike shop, well, the bike shop I had been a customer of for years and years, Condor Cycles, just down the road, a lot of people know, and said, so do you want any help over the summer? And stayed there for four years. And um, then decided, actually, I don't want to commute in all this way. I've been doing it for 25 years, and so i work locally. And so now I work at Richmond Cycles part-time. Uh, in between, having worked at a women's specific cycle shop, uh, shop called Bella Bello, somebody was setting it up and said, would I like to join? And I thought, I cannot let this opportunity pass me by. And as a result of that, I met lots of women. We were doing rides, and there was a real sense that women appreciated, A, being spoken to in a bike shop rather than being ignored, two, having kit that might actually be for them, and actually um, having coffee and cake and led rides. You can tell me a lot. Um, And unfortunately, when the bike shop folded, Um, or fortunately when the bike shop folded there was still a sense of community there where six of us got together and said should we keep this community going two of whom are sitting here tonight and so we decided to keep it going and we've now got over 600 members on Facebook and we're just about to incorporate into a club and once we've got our website up and running in a couple of weeks time um, we can actually formally become a club Um, I've met so many fantastic women um through that um a lot of older women (laughs) as well Um, but it's great to see so many younger women coming through as well i think i think it's quite important um to make the point that 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 you make by seeing that, that this isn't just about older women it's about all women because i think if you see older women arriving then you you start to see cycling as something you can do your whole life, and not just while you're twenty or before you have children. Um, and I think a lot of people come back into it, um, return to it because they may have more time or, or they want to get fit. And I think it's really important that that visibility exists. Therefore, absolutely. We and I think I mean somebody I know here in the audience has got a, a very active daughter, and I think that hopefully we're providing role model for her and her friends, and it's not just a boy thing. So um, I think having real role models as well as people on the TV really does help, yeah. And I, I think we're quite short in the media, certainly, of role the women as role models. Mm. Um, yes. The women in... I mean, I know you were saying that about the race scene, about how... The, the role models don't exist for women as much as they do for men. Older women, again, are even less visible, I think. I think generally, um, yeah, we, I think older women generally in society are less visible. The women's women in the cycle industry are about this much of the cycling industry. I very rarely meet any other women in the cycling industry, and all of a sudden it's, oh, hello, you're another woman in the cycling industry. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, and also, as we all know, televising women's sport is something that, despite it being 2018, is something the broadcasters are very, very rubbish at. Mm-hmm. And can you just explain how you got your, your name, the woman made of iron <laughs> <laughs> Um We were going out on a fellow fellow, we do park laps every Thursday morning in Richmond Park. And Zoe Williams, who's a journalist on The Guardian, wanted to come along, so she came along and she um, wrote a couple of articles about Bella me, and then clearly thought I was tough as old boots. I suppose she could have said the woman made as tough as old boots rather than <laughs> I but she didn't want to use the word old. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, so I think that's where that came from. Um, have you work in a bike shop, uh, <laughs> but you're on the spot now. Um, I, while I was researching this talk, I came across um, a report by the ad agency J. Walter Thompson called Elastic Generation, which was written last year. Um, it surveyed women in their 50s and 60s uh, to get a, a snapshot of who we are. Um, they found that older women are active, engaged and involved. Uh, we're packing life to the full; that we not slowing down or withdrawing. Um, we tend to be, um, we tend to care less what others think and are more rebellious. Uh, age no longer dictates the way we live; it's physical capacity, financial circumstances, and mindset that have a far greater influence. Now, on the subject of financial circumstances, uh, according to them, the over fifties spend forty-two percent more on retail goods than any other age group. And 66% more than millennials. Women over 50 control most of the purchase decisions in their households. Do we see that reflected in bike sales? Um, not yet, I think, is the, is the answer to the question. It's interesting, the, it's um, an untapped market because I think women tend to spend differently to men, whereas um, a, we're not paid as much as men yet, you know? B women tend to have other priorities such as families and don't necessarily want to spend on themselves. But oh, I think when a man becomes a cyclist, he'll say, I'll have that bike, I'll have that bike, I'll have the kit, I'll have that whereas women tend to go, I'll have that bike and do X, Y, and Z on it and make it more of an all round bike. Um and although, having said that, when women then do get into cycling and then have the, the, the wherewithal, then they also follow that pattern. And I know, again, women here who have had a hybrid uh, an aluminium bike and they've, they've upgraded to carbon, and they're sort of catching up the men. But, you know, there's still a gap. I think... Um, that, that is me, by the way, in the picture on my lovely bicycle, which um, was kind of my present to myself because I really just wanted. I got to a point where I thought, well, I can afford to buy a really nice bike. And, and in fact, I built that from. I didn't build it, my husband built it.
3: <laughs>
2: I chose the parts. <laughs> I opened the boxes, yeah. <laughs> um, But that was a really important buy for me, that bike, because it was a lot of money. It is a really lovely, lovely bike. Um, I'm really proud of it. And I just got to the point in my life where I thought, I've had my three children, they've grown up. I've got a bit more time on my hands. I am going to have the loveliest bike I can get my hands on. And that's what I did. Um, building it myself makes it cheaper. Um, that's why I did that. And I know a lot of women who go, you know what, now this is my time, I'm going to buy a really lovely bike, and and they've done the same thing. Um, it's getting a bit boring now, because we've all got the same lovely bike. <laughs> um, <laughs> have to find another lovely bike. Uh, so I think, I, I think it's quite interesting, though, that the women I do know who have these, mountain ex- bikes are very expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> They tend to be older women. They tend to be at a point where they can buy, they, buy these things. Um, and I kind of uh, it, It's with a mindset of, you know what, I am worth it. Point of grace. Julie. Hello. <laughs> How do we get more women to ride? Um, It's not easy. There oh, are... Uh, as we all know, many, many barriers. I started writing a list of the barriers about a year ago when we first started thinking about the idea of having a women's specific cycling um, offer at Cycling UK. And I ended up with at least 30 that I could think of just off the top of my head. So it's not particularly easy, but. Um, there are things that we could do. So last year we put on the Women's Festival of Cycling, which we're going to do again this year. And that was to provide opportunities for women to join in with other women um, and have a female-friendly uh, ride offer. So there's something about riding with other women that women tend to seem to like. So um, without kind of being too stereotyping, we've put on, or rather our... Um, volunteers put on uh, a wide range of different bikes, um, bike rides, so from kind of short 10 mile rides, you know, with stop for coffee and cake to 100 mile off-road ride um, all over the country. So there was something for everybody and we had about an estimate of about 500 women in total taking part. So that is one way you can overcome the barriers. Um there's lots of other things you can do around infrastructure. So one of the main reasons that women don't ride on the roads in this country is um, the lack of infrastructure because they feel scared, they feel nervous. The whole media um, uh, sort of image of women cycling, especially in London, tends to be a, you know the, the terrible things that have happened rather than sort of focusing on the positives. Um, So one of the things Cycling UK as a charity is doing is campaigning for better infrastructure um, and space for cycling in order to encourage more people of all kinds, but especially women, um, to to cycle as they do abroad. As in Holland, um, we know that more women actually cycle than men and make more uh, trips, mainly utility trips than men do. So it's not that women can't cycle it's that they just simply choose not to um on our on our streets although you know that imbalance is changing rapidly especially in london it's fantastic to see so many women cycling now and so much better infrastructure than when i was cycling here about 25 years ago um i was generally the only person cycling at all never mind the only woman so, it, it is slowly changing. Um, in terms of riding off-road, um, there are definitely more and more women taking up off-road cycling. Like Again, yeah. I've been mountain biking for 25 years, roughly. Um, didn't really ever used to come across other women mountain biking. I think we must, in we must have exception. days. We probably <laughs> did, yes. So, <laughs> somehow, our paths have never crossed until this evening. Um, but... Again, um, it's putting the the facilities in place that women um, prefer. So last year we did um, one of our reports, which you can see at the front, um, called Rides of Way, which is one of the first surveys that have been done into mountain biking in this country. And we found that generally, and again, without being too stereotyping, women tend to prefer um, the benefits of being in nature more than the uh, physical challenge of mountain biking. So um, one of our campaigns this year is called Beyond the Green Belt. So we're looking at actually getting more access to the countryside, opening up um, where possible uh, footpath networks, because we all know that the rights-of-way network in this country, in England specifically I'm talking about, it's not really fit for purpose, it's quite archaic, it's quite illogical, so you have a massive amount of bridleways, and then suddenly a footpath, so you can't actually join routes together, so that's one of the other things that we're sort of campaigning on in order to enable greater access to the countryside and therefore hopefully encouraging a lot more women to take part in cycling, whether it's on-road or off-road. I think it's quite interesting the riding in a group um, situation because I've I've also noticed that in social media that um, women-only groups for cycling and for mountain biking tend to feel like quite a safe space where you can comment because I think a lot of the time if you go onto the the unisex sites, you tend to get swamped by the men's comments, which are often quite rude. Um, And you don't really feel that it's a place you want to be part of. Um, and I know there's there's quite a few um, certainly mountain bike groups that which are specifically for women and and how supportive they are um, and and actually how I met people in this room through through those groups um, and I think that's quite important because in a way it, it's about being in a group it's whether you're riding in a group or, or on a social media group talking about riding being with other women I think is really important. Yeah, I mean there's benefits to both. I mean I obviously been mountain biking for years as I said and predominantly with men and there were great benefits to that you know, they push you to ride a bit harder to do things that you might not necessarily um, push yourself to do on your own, you know, great banter great fun Um, but I always felt a little bit on the outside you know, I don't ever think I was fully accepted into their particular circle Um, so you know, having said that, then riding with women specifically is also, you know, a great fun way. Um, And for once, not to be always at the back. So that was one of the main, main advantages because, you know, it's fine, you know, trundling along at the back, but it can get a bit dispiriting sometimes and you find that actually there's no one to talk to because they're either shooting on ahead or they want to, you know, have a bit of die time together which is fine you know they, they obviously enjoy that as much as women like talking to other women so
0: you know pros
2: and cons but it's nice to have the option to do both so yeah i, I ride with a, a group of women um every week and i think we have over 10 years had everything births marriages divorces deaths Crying, laughing. I mean, and the things you talk about. I mean, you know, you're never going to talk about the menopause on a men's line. (laughs) No. (laughs) Am I I mean It's sprockets, sprockets, and more sprockets. sprockets, So yeah. yeah. (laughs) Have anyone had a hot flush? No, no, okay, (laughs) no. But Ros, who's in the audience, and I went on the um, girls mountain bike weekend last um, spring with a bunch of you know, predominantly probably younger women than us. Um, and, I mean, talk about ripe. you know, I've never heard ruder language, but it was amongst women and, you know, the total sort of joie de vivre, and, you know, total frankness to discuss any topic whilst riding up a really steep climb and not a, hardly a single mention of a sprocket whatsoever. So it was brilliant. <laughs> I um, once went for a ride with a lady called Lydia, who holds the record for the South Downs Way back-to-back, which is a 200-mile-off road ride. uh, She was in her late 50s, I think, and um, we were out with a group of men, and there was another woman with us who's a very strong road rider and mountain biker, and we were just ahead of them and um, powering our way up the hill. And um, one of them, one of the ladies turned around and said, "Does anybody else use HRT?" <laughs> <laughs> and we had a very long conversation about HRT, the benefits, was it doping? Men um, never even came near us. Perhaps it was. <laughs> um, I, I was talking to Julie earlier, and um, she was telling me that she's worked for the. Um, for so Cycling like UK since 2001. That's right, yes. Uh, when it was the CTC, is yes. that right? Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, we rebranded two years ago, so we're now called Cycling UK. Before that, we were um, CTC or Cypress Touring Club. Uh, this year is our 140th anniversary, so the organisation as as it is now has only been around two years, but we're doing exactly the same things that we've been doing the last 140 years in that we provide um, social and leisure cycling opportunities for people all over the country in a nice kind of friendly supportive atmosphere and then we campaign on issues um, such as space for cycling, road justice, um, greater access to the outdoors, etc, etc. So, you know, we're, we're doing what we've always been doing, we're just called a different name just to be a bit more up-to-date so that people don't constantly say, what is it, C-C-T? What does it stand for? And spell it wrong, and get the an apostrophe in the wrong place, etc., etc. And cetera. Et cetera. I, I know that um, we were talking earlier, and we like to think that we're kind of blazing the trail for women, and, and we are the first people to do this. In fact, I've been put right, because Judy's told me this amazing story, which she will now tell you about. Yeah, so... This year, not only is our 140th anniversary, as I'm sure everyone knows, it's the 100th um, anniversary of um, suffrage for women, so some women got the vote uh, in 1918. Um, and there's a close connection with cycling, which people may not know, that cycling actually was one of the first activities that women did that sort of truly liberated them and enabled them to travel, and a lot of the um, Early suffragettes were also cyclists. Uh, For example, Millicent Fawcett, whose statue I believe has now been unveiled in Parliament Square. She was an early um, feminist suffragette and cyclist, also a member of CTC. Um, Another member was a Lady Harberton, so way back at the dawn of cycling in, I think, something like 1888, Um, Women were taking part in leisure riding, they were going out into the countryside, but they were all trussed up in their bodices and crinolines and skirts and everything, totally impractical. So along came the rational dress movement, um, with the bloomers and the um, forerunner of our baggy shorts that we wear now, Um, and Lady Harberton was one of the founder members of the Rational Dress Society. She was also a member of CTC, as it was. Turned up at a local hostelry in Surrey and tried to have a drink in the uh, posh side of the bar and was refused by the landlady because she was wearing rational dress. Um, this sparked a court case, which, like in the UK, CTC took on. One of our first campaigns was to... Um, you know, overturn that ruling. We failed, but it set women off on the road to uh, liberation and wearing much more sensible clothing and enabling them to take part in cycling. So quite, it's kind of you know a shame that even you know a hundred years or more later we are still underrepresented in the world of cycling. And I still know pubs in Surrey that are a bit like <laughs> <laughs> cycling gear, don't think we take them to court, but you have to take your shoes off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alex, What what's coming next in um, mountain bike fashion? <laughs> I don't know, because we don't do fashion. <laughs> um, we do stylish clothing um, that's practical and well designed to um I don't do trends, I don't, um, I, I've worked for a whole career in the fashion industry, um, and every six months it's something new, and as we all know, the world is full of clothes that no one wears, so that's not somewhere that I want to take my business. Um, I want products that, that people can put on and feel good about themselves in, but that it does what it says in the tin, and that the colours are, are practical, but... Um, you know, the way the, the Findra range is, is set up is that the garments are very practical and stylish. They've got lots of integral features that, that add to um, the product and, and that help you when you're cycling um, or outdoors. And then their accessories are where the colour comes. So fashion is not is not Fandra, um, but practical, stylish clothing is. So I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to ask each one of you, now. do you feel invisible? As a cyclist, um, that's quite difficult for me because I'm not really bothered if no one notices me. I just want to ride my bike, so I don't dwell on whether I'm um, invisible or not. I just, uh, I think how I want it to be is that that women don't feel there's any barriers to getting on their bike. That's what's important to me. Um, I'm not at a stage in my life where I, I need to kind of tell everyone what I do, I just want to do it and enjoy it and, and I think more women should be out there doing it and enjoying it and um, that's it for me, it's really simple but but we need to kind of make sure that there aren't barriers to stop to women to getting on the bikes. I'd agree with Alex actually on that one, is that... Um, When you're younger, I think sometimes you feel that people are looking at me, you become quite self-conscious. And I was telling the others before we started this evening that when I was um, in my, I think, late 20s, and I used to cycle to work, and one of my young colleagues took me aside, a man, and said, well, I just thought I'd let you know because I'm doing you a favor here, Belinda. Um, Some of the people here think it's very unfeminine to cycle." God, what a revelation anyway um so i ignored him and thought i'm just gonna keep cycling um i think women of a certain age and i know it's just sort of in my 40s you become invisible anyway and i've always been cycling and so it does like alex it doesn't really bother me just go and do it um the woman I run Bella Bella with said, You know, it's not what you don't do, you know, you you, 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 it's what you do do. So go out and do it because you'll remember the things you do do. You won't remember things that you didn't do. You know, life is not about regrets, just go out and do it. And if cycling is your thing, go out and do it um, and enjoy it. You know, I'm not what, as, as my friends here will know, I'm not a straw person technology and stuff like that, I just want to go and have fun on my bike, And that's what's important. Yes, thank you. (laughs) It doesn't matter whether we're invisible, we're going to go out there and do it. Yeah, I mean, it is one of these kind of weird dilemmas where people... You know, don't like having attention drawn to them but at the same time we don't feel invisible so you don't want to be singled out because maybe you're the only woman in a group ride i mean i took part in a um, sort of cross-country sportif a few weeks ago um, and out of 98 men there was only three women taking part um and you get Occasionally, you know, the sort of patronising comments. People aren't meaning to be patronising, but you ride past, and you know they'll have to comment on the fact that you're there at all. So, in one way, you don't. You'd like to be invisible. You wouldn't. You know, you don't want to be singled out. On the other hand, you know, there isn't much visibility still of women in the cycling media. So, um, Cycling Plus or Cyclist magazine don't feature women at all. They've made that apparently as a kind of policy decision that they're purely going to go for the sort of mammal market. Um, occasionally you'll see women in um, mountain bike magazines, but I can't recall ever seeing maybe more than one or two actually on the cover or, you know, featured for any reason other than that they're a woman. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, you don't want to be too sort of critical, but on the other hand, the media could do a lot more to, to represent women, and definitely that encourages more women to take part. So Cycling UK last year, we did our 100 Women in Cycling list, which is you know, totally aimed at shining a spotlight on the many women that are now active in the world of cycling, Um, and that was hugely successful. So we're doing it again this year. So if you want to nominate a great woman or even just, you know, a woman who's very enthusiastic about cycling, they don't have to be well-known or famous or, you know, inspirational in, you know, a legendary sort of way. They can be, you know, a woman who's taken up cycling maybe a couple of months ago, but is really enthusiastic and spreading the message and acting as a kind of role model to other women. Um, you can just go on our website and fill in a simple form. Um, we're now already up to about 200 women, so it's you know definitely exploding year by year. Um, and we'll get all those women that have been nominated together for a kind of networking event, and just send them a little thank you card just to show yeah. show that there are women out there. You know, they may be sort of relatively few and far between, but they are. You know, like Alex was on our list and was, was, you know, they are there and they need to be celebrated. I, th- I think, again, I'll come back to the point that by all the women being more visible, we are saying to people, this is something you can do for life. Um, and so it's not just a nod to all the women and a recognition. It's about showing everybody that cycling is viable for everybody. Um And I think we are a group that is is largely invisible um, in the media. As an ex-beauty editor, I know this to be true, because unless you're talking about getting rid of your wrinkles, you don't really exist. And I just think it's really good to celebrate that actually you can do something else which is liberating, which is an adventure, which is exciting, risky, All the things that perhaps you don't associate with older women and you can go out there and do it and have a really, really fantastic time and and reap all the health benefits, but actually uh, the mental health benefits as well. But just actually just really have fun and that's what it's about, I think. Definitely. Now, does anyone have any
3: questions?
2: (laughs)
3: the quote the you
2: Yeah, I don't want to put men down. I've ridden with men for years and years and years, and kudos to the men who have come tonight as well, showing your support. That's great as well. Um, I think, um, in terms of men being intimidated, I think, in some respects, even more intimidated because, in fact, women, you can be as stupid in inverted commas as you like, and nobody's going to raise an eyebrow because, because the, the, the people don't expect very much from us in the bicycling world. I can talk sprocket sizes with the best of them um if I want to and gearing and then people oh gosh she seems to know what she might be talking about but there are loads of men out there Look, I've seen this in bicycle shops they don't know how to pump up a tire you know and can you imagine what that's like for a guy going out with other competent guys and thinking I can't do this so yes I absolutely agree that there's that issue as well for guys, and we've been people said, "Oh, can't you set up a fellow fellow for guys?" And it's like, kind of, no, it's not really what we're about. And actually, men, but men still have far more opportunities to cycle with other men, or just far more opportunities to cycle full stop. And and that's why we are encouraging women to cycle more together because the opportunities in a supportive environment aren't really there. I'm afraid, from a feminist perspective, men are going to have to, you know, do their own thing, I'm afraid. um, And I'll get on with my thing. I think as well, actually, it can be pretty intimidating to ride with some other women. (laughs) Because as you say, when when you're out with men, they're always going to be physically stronger. There's always an excuse, which is that, well, you're a man. So, of course, you've got up that hill quicker than me. When you're riding with other women, you suddenly can't rely on that. <laughs> um, and it, it can it can be quite an eye-opener. But, um, so, yeah, I, it, it goes both ways. I've ridden with lots of men, lots of women. It's a different experience, I think. Um, but, but both to be enjoyed. i add one thing. Um, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the barriers that you can overcome them and you know then men can be really supportive etc but the one thing I have really noticed is that women are just so massively underconfident and under sell themselves so we know this is true in virtually every sphere of life but particularly in cycling you go know, with a women's group and there's always women going, oh, I'm not very fit or I don't be able to keep up I've heard myself saying it well, it'll be a bit slow, you know, or we'll just go at the back and all this kind of thing. I've never heard a man say it. Never, ever. They may be thinking it, they may feel it inside, but they don't verbalise it. You know, I've never heard a man say, I'll just drop off the end today, you know, you go in front, you go. In. They just don't do it. <laughs> I, I tend to find with men, if they're not feeling very fit, they blame the bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not gears aren't changing. <laughs> the gears, always the gears. <laughs> Another small anecdote: having done this quite long distance off-road ride after Christmas with a guy, I'd just been getting over flu. This guy was twenty years younger than me. He blew up halfway round. Blaming the food that he'd eaten, the breakfast, the bike, the this, the that. The, I was laughing by the end after about fifteen <laughs> different excuses why he wasn't going to be able to finish the ride. And I think a, a woman in that situation would most probably have been blaming herself first and foremost. Um, I've uh, been taking my, well, used to take my kids to races all over. And um, I found that women are, as you say, sometimes more intimidating and less welcoming than men, especially at races. And I've seen it from a very young age that the girls will be quite spiteful, whereas—and this is a totally honest—the boys. For I think hopefully things are changing because women and girls, from an early age and in school, are beginning to be competitive at the age of five, six, but previously, perhaps our generation, um, the women didn't compete with each other, and then they'd go to the race, and instead of thinking, this person beat me because they're stronger, she's a bitch, <laughs> I don't like her. And I have seen that, uh, not just looking down at the, the, at the women racing, and I haven't been racing, but I've just noticed it. So... Um, We've got a lot to learn from the men and their competitive side. They have a punch-up in the playground, and then they become best friends. Women can't seem to do that, but hopefully that will be changing. And I do think women, when they see a new woman come along, they're not always very welcome. Men, invariably, are very, very welcome, aren't that That's really interesting. I... I yeah, I know, I know you've got a lot of experience of, of, of that. And, and actually, I wonder if it is because we don't know how to deal with being competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I took up cycling when I was 41, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I love it. I've always done some kind of exercise, but I absolutely love cycling. And I've joined a brilliant um, cycle club in Salvius London near where I live, Penn. And they're very accommodating and they're brilliant and they're community focused and they have all kinds of riders and they have lots of women. And um, and I did Hell of the Ashdown a couple of months ago, which was just the hardest, hardest thing I think I've ever done. Um, and there were six there were lots of entries from our cycle club, but there were six of us women who all cycled together in our Penn Cycle Club jerseys. And not only were all the marshals going, my God, there's nobody left in Penge because there's so many of you, but, but I think we really made an impact by all cycling together. We all kept each other going. Um, and there were people who were good at hills, there were people who were good at sprinting, and, but to, we couldn't have done it without each other. And I think that's really important because the number of women that we were in Hell of the Ashdown were like, I don't know, it's like 3% or something with the entries. And there were six of us all riding together. We didn't, I don't think we saw a group of women cycling together apart from us, and I was really proud of what we did. Yeah, I think it's really important to be proud of what we do. I, I went to um, a fan last year, which is a Welsh mountain bike centre, and um, I saw five women in the whole day. Um, two of them all were riding with me, and one of them was a journalist from Total Women's Cycling. So there was one woman I hadn't met before, and uh, uh, the whole, you know, Massive mountain range in Wales, that there just weren't that many women there, and it was kind of like good for us for doing it. And we went back to the hotel where we were staying, which is a mountain bike based hotel. And um, guys in the bar were like, Oh, you know, how long have you been out for and then? We like, oh, and then we were like, five hours. And then we like, Five hours, <laughs> did you get lost? And we were like, No. And then they said, What have you ridden then? And all the trails have got names, so we listed all the trails. Well, they were like, Oh. <laughs> okay, and it's like, yeah, good for us. We went out and did it. Yeah, we did. Um, it's Ross here. I did. You talk to me about when we were talking about this about the race situation because I know you had a, quite an interesting point about race categories, didn't you? Do you want to talk? Can we get a microphone yeah. over there? Sorry, and then I'll come back to you. Sorry, I, I <laughs> it was just a thought that came into my head. Hi. Um, I was um, concerned that as you get older, there's going to be a, a chance of women moving up through the categories in racing that aren't really catered for. I'm 63. There is no over-60s category. There's very seldom an over-50s category. So I'm racing against over-40s, so young enough to be my children. and um, um, While well, that's partly a numbers game, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation because unless they provide a category, fewer women will enter for the older category because they'll feel that they won't actually be able to podium. So quite a number of us have been campaigning in a very informal way. and Some of the race organisers, like Tristan at Swinley Bike Hub, and one or two others have been very accommodating and you know, made sure that there's an over fifties group. Um, at our drug last year they just dropped the over fifties category because there weren't enough in it. So even though I was second in my age category there was no prize given and kicked up a little bit of a fuss and they kind of made one specially but it made made me feel a bit of a prima donna really. So yeah, that's just something I've been concerned about and I think we should all put pressure on them to put categories in there for those of us that want to enter, regardless of the numbers. I mean, it's only a little bit of plastic that sits on your window ledge. in the end, it doesn't cost them anything, but it means a lot to you to go and step onto that step when you've done well against other women in your age group. Oh, yeah, there were the age categories for men. There's, there's the over-fifties. Um, I've seldom seen an over-sixties in mountain biking, but I think the perhaps is another... force. Yeah. I, I know one lady contacted me and said that, that she had a similar problem and that she had entered an event. She was over 50. And there weren't enough women in her category, so they put her into the over-forties, and she came second but they wouldn't allow her to podium. (laughs) Because she was too old. She was too old. (laughs) So invisible. Sorry, can we come back to you? I snatched the microphone away from you. I'm really sorry. Um, Yes, it's actually a relevant point to what the uh, woman's just said over there. That is that um, cycling, um, is it one of those sports do you think you actually get better at as you age? because it's an endurance sport and do you think that there's a cumulative effect for all those millions of miles that you cycled all your years that actually stay with you and benefit you in your 40s, your 50s and your 60s? That's one question. Do you think that older women actually are better at cycling? Um, I, I think I am. Um, but the, the other question is when do you think you're going to stop cycling? <laughs> As somebody who started in my twenties or late twenties, really just commuting and doing things, I would say that you definitely get stronger and better. I'm—I've never been a sprinter, and I'm not a sprinter. And I notice younger women tend to be good at sprinting, so that's the advantage. But the the endurance you build up is phenomenal. And I and I get—I know they have these programs where they say, well i am just turned 56, you're 56 but you've got the body of a whatever and I bet you most cyclists will come to a body of 10 years younger or more particularly if you've been doing it for, for some time but even people who have been doing cycling let's say they've taken it up for the last three years a year, 18 months, have seen real health benefits as well so cumulative yes but it doesn't have to be 25, 30 years. It can just be 18 months, 24 months, I would say. Do you mean when we stop, when me personally, when I get to stop cycling? That's just a throwaway question, oh, I really. Think. When I'm six yeah. foot under, as much as Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, it's well known that women are better at endurance. So... Um, As an older woman that's one of the advantages uh i've noticed again when i've been riding with men you know they do tend to not have the long distance stamina so they might be quicker and faster up and downhill but you know over a long sort of 30 mile plus bike ride uh especially off road they do tend to start fading quite quickly so whether that's down to you know greater stores of body fat or you know general sort of physiognomy, I'm not a medical expert in any way, but I think it is scientifically known that um, you know, women do tend to be better sort of long distance, and that's one of the best things about cycling. It's not something you def- desperately need. You know, um, you know, massive kind of skill at or uh, you know particular kind of muscles. Anyone can do it. You know, anyone who's got some sort of disability to you know, the super fit, you can just do it at your own level. Um, and with the dawn of electric bikes now, which I never thought I'd hear myself say it, but having tried one out recently, you know, it's fantastic because that gateway is now open right up until, you know, 70, 80 plus. Who knows? You know, the sky's the limit now, really. They're only going to improve and, and get lighter and cheaper, etc. So, you know, I can't see any reason to stop at all. Um, on the subject of when to stop, I was cycling a couple of years ago now locally and um, came across a group of old age pensioners on mountain bikes. Um, they were the age UK mountain bike group, the only one in the country, But <laughs> and um, I found them absolutely fascinating, they were very welcoming, it invited me along on one of their rides, um, although you know, obviously not old enough. But anyway. <laughs> They were charming and lovely, and it, I just was really intrigued to know how they rode, how good they were. They were really good. Um, the average age, I think, of the people in the group was around 70-plus, men and women. Um, and I kind of, but they were really good riders. They, a lot of them had ridden their whole lives. Um, so they were, they were out there, they were doing it. And of course, they're all retired. So they were riding three, four times a week, and they were really, really fit and very, very capable. Um, there was one woman in particular, I think she was 70, and, and we rode round, we had a lovely conversation, she was doing all the technical stuff, she was popping off things, she was great, and look, we got to the end of the ride, and somebody said, yeah, she's 70, and I was like, wow, you know, gosh, isn't she wonderful, and then they said, "And oh, she's only got one leg. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of made me just think, okay, when do you stop? You, she had no intention of stopping and, and I said to one of the men in the group I said, oh, you know, you thought about getting an e bike And I think he was 75 and he said well, I thought I might get one when I'm about 8 so <laughs> They just did not feel any need at all to stop cycling. That was what they did, and they loved it. And they were retired and had loads of time on their hands. And I went home and said to my husband, You know, actually, I can't wait to retire because we can just go cycling all the time. (laughs) Um, Who has got an e bike, by the (laughs) way? I have a question, not an (laughs) e-bike. Okay. No, no, ask the question. Please ask the question. I'm slightly changing changing the subject a little bit. We have talked a little bit about barriers in cycling. And I wondered if Alex, I'm obviously from Alex's part of the world, as you can hear. I wondered wondered if Alex could explain a little bit about not just her inspiration um, in developing clothing, cycling because of her fashion background or her textile background, but where she lives, I think it's a really unique, and, and talking about barriers of cycling and getting people and getting women more into cycling, you know, London can be really intimidating, but I'm, I'm really conscious as to where Alex is live, lives is really special and really unique as to what it offers cycling. And I wonder if Alex could share a little bit about where she lives and what happens in her part of the world that helps people get into cycling. Um, so I'm from this Based in the Scottish borders. Um, so, I don't know if, if you are aware of that area. Um, absolutely brilliant trails around that area and great place to road bike, great, great place to mountain bike. And there's been huge investment in mountain biking in the Scottish borders. We have um, Glenchess, which is one of the Seven Stains, and um, there's been a huge investment in that particular trail centre to cater for all sorts of levels, um, from people who want to do really technical stuff, right down to families. So the trails are graded from green, which is sort of family trails, starter trails, right up to black, which is hugely technical. And at where I live is the, the, the next little sort of village along, which is Inner that's where the business is based. And I can get on my bike at my front door and within about two minutes I'm in a trail um, and I'm right up in the hills and and right out there um, with the most amazing um, scenery, the most amazing trails. If you want to do really technical riding, you can do it. If you want to just do cross-country, you can do it. And I think that that there's a huge amount of um, effort put in to really encourage people to just get on their bike. We've also got great cycle paths that connect um, along the river, an absolutely stunning bike ride right along the river, the, Tweed, the River Tweed. And there's huge events, so we have an event called Tweed Love, which, for people who want to get involved in enduro type riding, um, that's a big festival in the summer. So there's, there's a huge amount going on, um, and it caters to all levels, which, which is, to me, what's really important. I'm not someone who enters bike races, I'm not someone who um, wants to be the fastest. In fact, the first event that I've ever entered in my life was the Tweed Love Tunnel Run, which was last year and I didn't even wait to get my time because I'm not really bothered it's about doing it it's about being part of it my friends supported me she said let's do this together and I absolutely loved it and, and so for me events aren't key it's just getting out there and there's lots of groups in the Scottish borders where I come from there's lots of women's groups um, when I started biking it was with a group of women and we went out together and there's oh, cafe. sorry oh yeah well of course, I'm going to forget the cafe. There um, is the best cafe in Inner Um Amazing cafe. In fact, some writer for The Times was there the other day. Oh, nearly. Um, it's just a great place, and it's a great place for you to start at any level. So, if you want to cycle along the cycle path and then go for a coffee and go to the cafe, it's absolutely brilliant. The cafe's called number one, and it is it is brilliant. It really is. It's probably, you know, about half of that bit of the room over there it's the tiniest place in the world but anyway um, it's just a great place and and you get encouragement at all different levels and I think that that is the most important thing and that's what's important to me and that's what inspired me to set up It wasn't just about the clothing it's about the attitude it's about encouraging women so I keep going on about it but that's that's my thing Um, I've just been to say I come from a very different background in that I'm completely uncompetitive. I am the world's slowest cyclist. <laughs> if we're going up a hill, I hate the hills so I get up a walk which drives my husband mad. But we, when we first got together nearly 40 years ago, we discovered the year before I'd done a cycling holiday with a friend and he had so we went on a cycling holiday together and have carried on doing it ever since all over Europe mainly. But oh, we retired early, which you know, and we went set off and cycled the world. We had two most of two years just cycling the world, living in our bikes, taking our tent, and going there. And when I tell people and all the people I know who know about it, they say I could never do that. But it's I can't convince them that they can because literally, if I can, anyone can. And my husband would admit that because you
3: know, I I know.
2: <laughs> So and I, I just wish there was some way I could convince them that they can do it too. Because, you know, you sit on your bike, I we average maybe ten kilometres an hour for a day cycling, which is really so Anybody can do ten kilometres an hour. And the other thing I would say is that Although other people I know, I can't convince them to do it, it's very important to inspire your daughters. And we have a daughter, and she doesn't cycle much, but she's into walking. And tomorrow she's setting out to walk from the Mexican border to Canada. As you do. And so for you, those of you who are younger than we are, you do it, you set an example, and your daughters can do it too, and they will think it's normal. Thank you very much. Um, firstly, I love that story and my husband and I are about to do that, so I'd love to talk to you both later. <laughs> Sorry. Um can I just touch on that you were talking about being invisible or sure. feeling invisible before? And I was wondering, I know that um, women of a certain age are underrepresented in the media, but do you also feel perhaps we underrepresent ourselves? So, you are we spending time perhaps creating social media platforms, talking about what we do on Instagram, or do you feel that maybe it's just not something that interests the people who are doing it, maybe they're um, lacking in time because they're fitting in family commitments? I just wonder, I mean, I haven't admittedly really searched, but, you know I would love to see these kind of stories and follow these people as they did trips but uh is, is the effort being put in or do you think perhaps we think because we are you know we tend to do this well who would want to see me or who would want to hear my story I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that I have no problem at all talking about myself so for media. I'm <laughs> fascinating <laughs> um, I wish more women would share their stories for exactly the reasons that you just said. One, one because, wow. <laughs> and two, because it inspires so many other women. Um, I guess social media has come along later in our lives than, than others. Um, it may not feel like a natural thing. I started using social media because I was a journalist and I could see that it was Inevitable, and I needed to get on on with it, and I I did, and it actually worked really well for me, so I'm all for social media. But then again, I think there's also a point where some women just don't feel the need to share what they're doing. They've reached an age where they're confident in themselves. They don't need to be reaching out and telling everybody. I wish they would because I've just, as I say as a journalist, come across some amazing stories and I've interviewed younger riders, I'm not going to name anybody because that's not fair, they have had nothing to say because all they've done is ride a bike and you say, how did you get into it? My My mum and dad got me into it. Okay, and what do you do in your spare time? Because they're, they're living and breathing and fighting. That's what they have to do. That's great. But they have no back story. And, and when, as a journalist, you really want that, wow, you did that. That's amazing. And, and, and I just wish, because it just is so inspiring to hear women's stories. So I wish everybody would share their stuff on social media. So there are actually loads and loads of people writing, blogging, traveling you know we've got quite a few on our website at the moment um there's a lady just about to do transam she's one of our members relatively new to cycling quite a young doctor and she's setting off doing transam so we've got her story Um, the esteemed Ross is going to be the next issue of our magazine no she's a younger woman um in terms of older women, um, I'm sure there are plenty. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, you know, keep an eye out for the next 100 women lists. We'll be publishing it in May, um, so there'll be at least 100 stories there of women doing amazing things. I'm quite confident that the vast majority of them will be 40-plus, so you know, we will be shining a spotlight on older women. And I'm going to plug our group now, because if you get onto our Facebook page, you will see a lot of women who are over 40 doing incredible things, who have, a lot of them who have only taken up cycling in the last two to three years or more recently. Um, but yes, I noticed when I sort of turned 40, people, particularly men, just, you're. it's not only that they sort of look past you, you are literally not there. You do become invisible. And that's fine in a way because it means that you don't have to, you know, pretend to flirt with these guys, for example. But, you know, the rest of it is actually you don't get any attention in a bike shop, for example, when you go in. You know, I still go and do some secret shopping in other bike shops. and does, does anybody speak to me? Not really, you know. So, yes, women do become invisible, but there are plenty of women out there who are doing fantastic things and they're using various forms of social media to um, advertise that as well. Oh, and I just want to plug uh, a women's-specific um, cycling magazine called Casquette, which is going to publish its third edition. Emily Chaplin, and Nicole Cook on the first edition, um, and uh, the third edition is coming out soon and is available. I don't know if Look mum actually stops it, it's free, and we do, yes. Fantastic. And uh, Helen Wyman's going to be the feature of the next one. Okay, and Helen Wyman, And um, we'll be having it at Richmond Cycles as well. So quick plug. sorry about that. Can I ask you quick question? Specialized just announced quite recently that they're no longer going to do the work. Ditté, try. Yeah, I know that your uh spirit is <laughs> I think it's all about the fit. I you can see I've got a condor bike at the back there. Oh thank you. <laughs> um thank you. Um I always think there used to be when I started cycling what I call the women's tags. So you had a dreadfully uncomfortable saddle, you had really wide handlebars and long stem and you couldn't get anything to fit you. Um, if you go to somebody like Condor, um, they will. That, that's how I got into bikes that fit me and didn't hurt me when I cycled. Um, and now the manufacturers—I don't know so much about Specialized because I've lost a bit of touch with them—but Trek, for example, do doing uh, also ditch their women's range, and they, they do a what they call a women-specific design. But that means that the saddle is a women-specific saddle the handlebars are narrower because most women have narrower um, shoulders and then the, the the semi-shorter so that women's tax has now gone you may still need to make a few adjustments as men do with bikes as well so um, in a way I think it it is, it it is the way forward particularly if they stop using pink and flowers on those bikes and um, Oh, a bit of agreement there, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the bicycle the, manufacturers make a big thing about we've got design, women's team design, etc., etc., and they still come out with the same, you know, stuff. So I don't know if that answers your question. Thanks. Thanks. Um, First of all, in response to your question, I wonder whether we're actually nervous about giving our age. I wonder if it goes back to what you was saying earlier about the wrinkles and so on. We we keep ourselves being invisible because we don't want to say what age we are until we're fabulous in our 60s and still rounding our 70s or whatever. When we're in our 40s and 50s, we'd actually still rather be 20 or 30. Um, so I wonder if it's partly that. And I wonder if that's partly why, because I'm... I do blogging, I'm, I obviously chat to people, but I don't go around saying, hey, I'm 43, um, look at me. So um, that's one thing that I'd be interested in, your thoughts on. But the second the question I wanted to ask was going back to looking at self-esteem and mental health and saying that women are hesitant about coming into it because they feel unsure, they are naturally less confident Do you think that when you start cycling, you build that confidence, is it then a lifelong skill? And is it something that actually we can breed into generations to come, if we can get them more active and so on? Or is it something that is temporary? I'd just answer your second question, then I'll hand over the microphone to somebody else. But I would say that... um, The more you do it, the more confident you become with any skill, really. And you don't lose it. It's unfortunately cliche. It's like riding a bike. You don't forget. Um, And yes, you do. You'll always have it there. I mean, I had a gap when I wasn't cycling in my early 20s. And you know what? It's great. As long as you can get a bike that fits you and a decent pair of shorts and things like that. I actually would like to talk about talking about your age. Um, we've, we've actually got a lady over here who is one of the leading fashion bloggers for older women, um, and I think we should give you the microphone because you know a lot <laughs> about talking about age because that is exactly what you do, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> thank you. Bit shy. Um, thank you, Adele. Um Well. I, didn't, I mean, literally, I just think, what's age got to do with it? And that's what I've always thought. It's like, and um, that kind of not saying your age, I kind of, I'm 54, and when I turn 50, I kind of almost developed this sort of Tourette's kind of syndrome where I'm like literally going around telling everyone, and I don't give a damn, and it's like, you know, get over it. And I think, with the whole invisibility thing, again, don't give it any headspace, it's like, I don't entertain the being invisible thing, I don't care about it, um, I'm not invisible, none of these women in this room are invisible, I see lots of gorgeous, wonderful women of all ages, ethnicities, you know, levels of fitness, (laughs) whatever, you know, and I just think, um, that so you've just got to, um, just I, I don't know. Um, kind of waffling a bit now because I've had two parts of beer. <laughs> Out on the spot. Hmm? I, I've taken the mic over. My name's Angela. I'm Ali's friend, and um, i bought ordered some of the beer, so uh, I'm responsible. But. Um, Ali's website which she failed to mention is called that's not my and um, it kind of sums everything up and she um, uh, a long time ago Ali am sure she, she mind me sharing in public that she's a bit of a technophobe so we did have that whole thing on the place's computers about 15 years ago trying to set up twitter handles and all sorts of things but what Ali's done I think is um, made women of a certain age, and, and we've aged because we were 40-something when all that was discussed and now we're 50-something, um, but um, uh, Ali's made uh, visible in terms of fashion but also some of the lifestyle stuff as well and some of the questions women face and, you know, what we do with our hair and all that kind of stuff when it goes grey and we don't really care. Uh, and we also cycle together. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's worth having a, a, a look at that, I think. and. Uh, The great thing about women, like, is clear from just this evening. Is um, immediately it becomes like about sharing and uh, about camaraderie and and building up, and uh, that's the uh, kind of great thing. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, just to come back to me, uh, not to talk about me. I mean, but um, basically, I worked on women's magazines for many years, and then. I left. I was like like uh, you. I was a sort of editor on a magazine, my background, and I left to go freelance. Like, just when the internet was taking off, and then I started blogging. Um, and then I found this whole—it's it, like this evening—I found this whole network of women who were like-minded, who felt the same, who didn't want to be invisible, who you know wanted to have this conversation. Uh, and that's how it all started online, and I think it's really important to sort of, you know, to um, continue that conversation and to see, to, you know, to see images of women of all ages, um, to see, well, I suppose in the media we don't really see that. One of my beefs when I first started was that you don't see, I never see women that look like me, I don't see old women in the media, online, in fashion adverts, whatever. And um, we are seeing that a bit more now, um, but I think it's important to see yourself reflected back at you, um, and, and that it doesn't become a cliche. Uh, so it's like, ooh, let's have an older woman in London, that kind of thing. Um, I, I kind of feel there's like a pressure of a wave, and we're riding it. that That it's kind of our turn now to go look at me and. Know, i'm 54 and nothing's fallen off yet you know <laughs> still here carrying on um and, and and i think that's kind of what we're all proving here that that with all of my... Yeah, i know not dead yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Yeah, it's a question for Alex actually at um, Bindra. I'm 49 now and I've just noticed I've, I've got a lot more self-conscious about what I'm wearing when I'm riding now. Um, the hardest step for me is over my threshold at, home at 7 o'clock in the morning when all the ladies are looking smart going to work. and I'm there in me black stuff, because I just opt for black. And I wear men's trolley trousers, um, shorts. I never wear shorts at any other point in my life. The normal mountain bike, and my dad is 83. And he still rides, and he wears his clothes. He wears his clothes. They get wet. He puts dry clothes on. Goes to the pub, and then he rides, and then he puts, puts dry clothes on. So, like, what I'd be interested in is, I really admire the thing about not following fashion or going for style. But what the hell do we wear, <laughs> drop <Thundra? laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no. Um, that that was what was important to me when I when I was wanting to design the product, um, because at that point um, there wasn't a lot, there there wasn't a great deal of choice, and, and most of it was just the kind of afterthought of men's range, as I said earlier, and all of my friends were we were all wearing the same thing or kind of concocting our own versions of you know, um, your your normal or your kind of gym clothes or whatever, and. Um, there's a phrase in Scotland that we all look like a sack of tatties, you know, and and we did, and it was it was awful, and I just thought I I don't believe any woman sets themselves up or 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 man to to look less than their best, even if it's just getting on a bike or even if it's whatever, um. And for me, merino is a great great fibre to work with because merino um is the absolute best fibre you can wear in the outdoors for all of its properties um. It's odor resistant. It's it's so feels great. It's um, so there's temperature regulating. There are so many things about it, and I when I looked at it from a design point of view, in Scotland it gets very cold, and it's still very cold at the moment. And we were all layering up, so we were kind of going like that and riding our bikes, you know. And then when we got to the top of the hill, it was like layers were coming off. And that all went in your rucksack. So it was just not practical. And I kind of thought, why don't we layer up in layers that are really lightweight and then if you get too hot you take them off and you transfer them in your rucksack but you're still not carrying lots of stuff. So the approach was quite a practical one. Um, and it was very much, our test in Finjart is, can you go to the pub in it? Can you go to the cafe in it and still look sensibly, nicely dressed or whatever. Um, and that's kind of my approach is that it should be quite understated, but practical, and make a, a good fit, a good shape, nice detail and you can wear it top. She's been far too modest. <laughs> you what what, you, what your top is? Both tops, so your both top and my top. This is a this is a mountain bike top. <laughs> um, I think Alex very kindly sent me this, but. Um, when I opened it, I, I did say, Wow, this is too good for cycling. You're going to kill me for saying it. <laughs> um, and I know other journalists who've gone, How do you Have you seen well, just Far oh, too good for cycling. But I have also cycled in this um, a lot. Um, and it washes really well. It's really soft. It, you, it, it's a really corny thing to say. You don't know you're wearing it. And it is fabulous this kit. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing for touring, yeah, or presenting on look my own hands. I've got on, I'm um, not doing a pull up placement, but I'm wearing Oslo jeans, cycling jeans, um, and they're the best fit jeans that I've got. Um, they've got a, a padded um, gusset, and uh, that word, and um, they're perfect for cycling. So, there's a lot of stuff you can get now. And, I think actually one of the benefits of getting a bit older is I can care less what I look like, Everything. frankly. You know, I'll go out, I ride to work in any old things that I can drag out of my bottom drawer. Luckily, when I get to work, I have got a nice hot shower and I do take some clothes and I change and I think I look reasonably smart. There's loads of fabrics you can get now that don't need ironing. You know, you can just chuck them in. They're quite lightweight. So I don't think, you know, appearance is really a massive barrier that people think it is. Um, You know, obviously it is for a lot of women. They do want to look really smart and well-groomed and have nice hair and all this kind of stuff. Um, You know, I've got a daughter who's 21 and, you know, she's very sort of image conscious. Uh, She does ride a bike now as a a university student. Um, She didn't, through her sort of teenage years, you know, all that peer pressure, you know, not looking too red in the face, etc., etc., not wanting to be different. Now she loves it. You know, she revels in the fact that she can get to uni in half an hour without having to pay for the bus. Um, none of her friends do, but you know, to her now it doesn't really matter. So I think you sort of go through phases. When I worked in London, um, as I said before, I wasn't in the cycling industry or anything. You know, it was just a way to get to work, and I'd have a, I'd have a bath every morning, I'd put on all my makeup. I'd wear white jeans you know, I wouldn't leave my front door without looking, what I thought was immaculate, cycled a half an hour to Knightsbridge and, um, you know, I was probably sweating and all disheveled by then, but, you know, I, I still didn't let it sort of put me off, you know, I think it was the, the benefits were always outweighing any sort of disadvantages for me, and I think that's what we need to do now, is sort of move the debate on from all the barriers etc just keep focusing on the positives you know what are the benefits because there's so many they're so enormous you know that we have got to make it more well known you know that you can just cycle I and mean, it's a normal everyday thing to do as we all know that i've been to europe you know on holidays i went to holland last year Couples everywhere, older couples predominantly, quite often in matchy matchy outfits, which is quite entertaining. But there they are, you know, off on a Sunday jaunt, you know, just in normal clothes. You know, the women, totally inspirational in their really smart white jeans and gold jewelry, you know, not a hair out of place. And to them, it's just nothing extraordinary whatsoever. It's just a normal everyday activity. Hi. Yes. Um, oh, I'm, I'm interested to know how has the membership changed in terms of male, female and cycling UK in the last 10 years? Um, I, I don't know if we've got any um, specific stats over the last 10 years, but it, it, it is still um, quite a small minority of female, but it is gradually creeping up. So I think it's now at something like 27%. Uh, the reason I have a question, and we yeah. talk about you know, being invisible and all that, we don't see enough of that publicising actually X number of women are now on their bikes. And this is the demographic of it. Because I think, if you know, if you look at the 40 to 60, if people were getting that message out uh, and understanding actually more and more coming into it, they might think, oh, there's something going on here. It's a bit like joining a gym, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't think that message comes out very well in the media or in any blogs or anything like that that I've seen. I'm a member of Cycling right. New don't see it reflected in a yeah. sort of publication yeah. now. I think, I think it might have. Mm. Well, we, we are trying. Yeah, no, no. a criticism, yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. interesting how it change. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I think you've made a really good point there, because the thing that got me on a bike, um, as I said, I returned to cycling when I was 40, Um. I it's a bit of a strange story. I was on an aeroplane. I'd had three very small children at the time. I know we were going skiing. I was on an aeroplane. I was frazzled beyond belief. Why often would go skiing with three small children? I don't really know, but anyway. And it was an easy jet flight. And <laughs> no, 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 the old easy jet. There was a magazine opened in the in the sleeve in front of me. And it was open on a page for the London triathlon. And there were three pictures on the the ad. One was a man running, one was a man swimming, and the third one was a woman cycling. And I noticed the woman on the ad, and I thought, well, I can run and I can swim and I can ride a bike, I'm gonna into that. And I don't know, if that woman hadn't been there, I don't know that I would have thought about it. It wouldn't have connected with me. So I think you're absolutely right. It did, seeing women and seeing them repeatedly, doing this and normalizing it, that is so important. Um, I just want to say I'm loving the conversation here and the whole feeling of camaraderie. Um, And I wanted to, uh, I guess, just talk a little bit about I've been suffering recently from depression and anxiety. And one of the things that I've found is that it's put me off riding my bike. Because there's always there's always some excuse. The weather is too bad or, you know, I'm just I'm scared of getting knocked off or, um, you know, there's, there's always some reason that's kind of holding me back. So I was wondering what... I think that's the first time I've admitted that in public as well. <laughs> so... <clears throat> what, what, what would you say to somebody like me to kind of motivate me to get back into it? Well, I'll when i don't feel like going for a ride i fool myself into thinking i'll just go for a slow one i'll just go for a little poople and it is never a poople. but, but <laughs> that's what i tell myself i'm going to do and then i get when my head gets into it you get the endorphins you start to feel good it all delivers and then you're back into it and and do ride because That's sarah You need to talk to this video, over yeah. here, <laughs> who is. Um, I've spoken with Sarah before about mental health and cycling. Um, it's so important because physically, you will release those feel-good endorphins, and you'll feel you know you'll feel better for it. you just tell yourself you're going for a people, and you're going for five minutes, you'll be out for two hours. And <laughs> um, if I may to interject briefly, um, I did an evening here back in November on cycling, mental health. Um, fingers crossed, we can organise another one sort of in the next kind of, couple of months. Um, but as part of um, a blog that's kind sort of come out of uh, the evening here for I'm sort of trying to share uh, just experiences of, of cycling and mental health, from all aspects, but quite often depression, and anxiety, kind of come up. Um, and I'm I mean, so it's something very close to myself because uh, I got into cycling a few years ago. Whilst recovering from depression. And thank you for being very honest, by the way, because I know how difficult it can be. Um, But I think that it's quite often, it's quite difficult to actually be self-compassionate and actually give yourself time to go, actually maybe, I don't need to go out. If I can't sort of push myself out of the door, sometimes that's okay, because I need to kind of step back a little bit gather myself and think, all oh, right, I'll go, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, months down the line when I feel a bit more kind of like coping about it. And it's very easy to kind of get yourself into that point where you're kind of pressurising yourself and kind of guilting yourself for not going out. Um, but, you know, it's sort of sometimes it is if you can push yourself a little bit and think it's okay, maybe I'll just go for a short ride. The fact that I'm just getting my bike out and poodling along for kind of a few miles, it might make, make me feel better than if I just didn't do anything at all. And it's sort of sometimes it's just a lot of big kind of um, learning curve kind of self-awareness uh, to find out what works for you. Um, but don't be, be afraid to kind of just test those out and just see what happens. But you know, I mean, if anything, I say just try and be kind to yourself while you're doing it as well i definitely say the same. Don't, I mean, we have had rubbish weather, so don't be hard on yourself for not going out and it's a really appalling winter that we've had. Um, so, yes, but be kind to yourself. I also suffer from depression. I take antidepressants and have done for years and years and years, and I, yet I cycle. So it's not a cure necessarily, but it does help. Um, and I have... I have a couple of strategies. One is I have a head-clearing ride, which particularly if I'm, you know, stressed and anxious, I have a loop. that I, I go on my own. It's, it's a, an hour each way, and it's pretty flat. And that's just, I go on my fixie, and I just, that kind of ride. And that's just my head-clearing ride. Holly, who's sitting here in the front row, she's a coach, and she was talking at one of our social events about motivation, and I said, yeah, but, you know, sometimes I just want to stay in bed. You know? I mean, I often, I have to say, just want to stay in bed. And, bed. Um, and you know what gets me out of bed? Is I do a lot of ride leading. And quite frankly, if I didn't do all the ride leading I do, I would not be doing the cycling that I do. <laughs> because I think just sometimes, you know, life can get very overwhelming. And knowing that other people are relying on you you know, you can't just say, oh, I'm not turning up today because I don't feel like it. Um, so that's a real motivator for me. Um, maybe I'm just not very good at being self motivated. Um, I used to cycle to work. What got me cycling to work? I had to go to work. You know, I need a, 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 a push. So, um, so clear your head if you want to go on a ride on your own or ride with us, if that will make it. And just small steps is what I would say. And be kind to yourself, definitely. Um, I think cycling is one of the best ways to, to kind of download um, a lot of your thoughts, and, and if you're going through a difficult time. And for me, when I got into cycling, I was going through a very difficult time in my personal life. Um, my marriage was falling apart, and I suddenly found myself bringing up two little boys. And so cycling just became my thing that I had to do. I had that. Sometimes I went out with the group, sometimes I went off on my own, and I would cycle up into the hills and I would get to the top and sometimes find myself just bursting into tears because i pushed myself and I pushed myself. But also, all the way up that hill, I had downloaded everything that was going on in my head. You know, we talked talked about confidence do you, does your confidence keep growing as you cycle i don't find that i find that it goes up and down um and i think that for me it was it was a way of just getting it all out and it was a safe way to do it and sometimes i didn't want to get my bike in and leave but i just knew i needed to get to the top of that hill and be on my own and just kind of let it all out and um i remember when it came to thinking about what was, when I started the out of a very dark period and I kind of came out of a very dark period of my life and I remember when I was thinking what would I call this brand, what, what would the name be and because it was quite personal to me, one of the names that I came up with was Banshee, now I don't know if, and it was because there were times when I was out in those hills that I'd get like a screaming Banshee because I really was just kind of letting it all go and letting, letting it all out. Um, I'm glad I didn't call it Banshee because that was at that particular point and it was relevant only to me. But I think that cycling for mental health is something that I feel quite passionate about and I think it's something that um, we need to do more of to encourage more people to understand the benefits of cycling and how you can use that as an opportunity to to help yourself. It's not always the cure, it's not always the answer, but it can be a part of, of that journey of Support to yourself and, and just try and get yourself out of what could be a very difficult place and time in your life. And for me, mental health is, you know, cycling and mental health kind of are two things that go hand in hand. I think. Keep going, go for it, and, and just kind of try and make that little step. And, and it's always once you've done it that you feel so much better. Always, always, always. And if you can remind yourself of that feeling, you get once you've done it, and you're sitting with your cup of coffee and your cake. Make that your motivator. Yeah, just to add. Um, you know, I think motivation is something pretty much all of us struggle with. You know, something about cycling that sometimes feels like even if you love it, it's your passion, and you know you'll enjoy it. There's still that mind talk going on. You know. Too wet, it's too cold. I can't be bothered to get the bike out. I've got to put all these layers on, I've got to find lights. You know, there are numerous sort of little barriers. Um, you know, I ride every single day, but as Alex was saying, and um, Belinda, you know, it's because I've got a destination to go to, it's easier than driving where I live. You know, the roads are a nightmare, so it always turns out, you know, that I've I will cycle to work. But I think without that motivation, I probably would not you know, there's many times where I think probably I would have just jumped in the car, you know, if it was easier. I think we're just programmed as species to sort of go for what we perceive to be easier, even if it isn't. So a lot of my colleagues don't actually cycle to work, even though they probably could, um, because, you know, we've got all these barriers and, um, you know, and even going out on a on a mountain bike ride, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not sure. And I just think, why am I doing this? You know, because I know once I'm out the door, I'll have the most fantastic time, and I'll come back buzzing. And I'm just like, why did I ever think I didn't want to do this? So you know, it is it is a barrier um, in itself. Um, but there are two things. Maybe you know, join a group. So if you've got a group to turn up to go along with, you know, other people will help to sort of motivate you and you'll feel a lot more um, confident perhaps riding in a group. And then you can also get training. I don't know if you've ever had cycle training. I'm a cycle instructor. A lot of people don't think they need training. They might have been riding for years. Um, but just a little bit of cycle training can really help you feel more confident on the roads, especially around London. A lot of boroughs provide free cycle training for adults. I think if you go on TFL website, there's a whole section on cycle training, and you can learn sort of techniques of how to interact with the traffic and how to ride more confidently, and that will certainly help reduce that anxiety about feeling like you're going to get knocked off. So there's two two things... Finished. Can I just say, <laughs> what a wonderful audience! Just brilliant conversation. I knew we were going to have a great debate, um, and I wasn't on. Thank you so much for, for your input because it's, it's just been brilliant and really insightful for us as well. So, thank you to everyone up here. Thank you to the Thank
3: you.
1: hello if you like what we do don't forget to like rate and subscribe if you have a friend that likes cycling and podcasts I have a secret mission for you tell them about our podcast until next time bye